Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and back with me today for this emergency podcast, not entirely unexpected, but emergency nonetheless is my co-host Curtis and good lord boys and girls what a great day in American history as Kirby Smart has done it again he landed not one but both of our biggest remaining transfer portal targets to help shore up a roster that was already a national title contender but now with the additions of Clemson transfer cornerback Darion Kendrick and LSU transfer athlete Eric Gilbert I think you can say with a straight face that Georgia now has the best roster in all of America 1 through 85 the best roster in the country yeah I said it fans of rival teams might not agree with you they might say I'm I'm making stuff up and that I've lost my mind and of course they're gonna undoubtedly try to throw cold water on that but they sure as hell can't call you crazy because it's certainly within reason to say to suggest that yeah Georgia might actually have the best roster in all of college football and I don't know about you guys but I'm ready to run through that proverbial brick wall right now let's go but enough about me y'all know I'm excited you know how I get Curse, I don't know about you man With the addition of these two former five-star prospects, what's your excitement level right now? I'm extremely excited. Uh, I think that you went from having a bunch of question marks, or not a bunch, but question marks in certain positions to really it's almost you have no excuse. Yeah, so that's that's one of the things I tweeted out, put on social media is like, so about all those question marks, right? Like apparently secondary was a weakness, right? Maybe wide receiver and you lose George Pickens. So what is it now that all of our rivals are going to point and laugh at, right? Because all offseason, all they've been talking about is, well, Georgia has nobody in the secondary. Well, Georgia lost George Pickens. They don't have anyone else. What's the weakness now, Curtis? Is there one out there? Uh, probably the offensive line, but it's, it's more of like inexperience more so than weakness. I mean, how many five? I mean, look, five-star, you know, recruiting is recruiting, but that still is a pretty accurate gauge for the most part. I mean, how many five-stars we have contending for spots in the offensive line? Yeah, we talked about after G-Day that there were some concerns there, and I'm certainly not saying there's no concern along the offensive line, 
but there are guys there. It's just a matter of finding out who are going to be those guys and are the young guys ready to come in and take those spots, the younger, more talented guys like an Amarius Mims or Broderick Jones, that kind of thing. So I guess that is like the remaining, like, I don't, I don't want to call it a weakness. Maybe like if there is a major concern, it might be offensive line now. I guess that's going to be the conversation, but you really kind of have to reach right now, don't you? Yeah, you do. Yeah, I mean, it's just crazy. It's crazy, man. Like this, like I, I kind of, well, you kind of knew this was coming. Again, like, like this is not really surprising, but like there's something different between like anticipating it and knowing it's coming. And then it actually happened because right now, like I'm on another planet, dude. That's where I am right now. I'm, I'm on another universe, another galaxy, whatever else is out there in the solar system. That's where I am. Like I'm in an alternate reality. That's how excited I am right now. Uh, but one thing I said earlier, Curtis, is I think this gives us – at least I think you can say that we have a straight face, that this gives us the best roster in college football. So what do you think? Does this actually give us the best roster in college football or am I letting my excitement get the best of me like right now in the moment? I mean, it's going to be hard off the top of my head to really find one that's deeper uh, – or not deeper, but more talented right now, in the, especially if you're looking at your first 22. I mean, okay, so you got your, your usual suspects. you got your Alabamas, you got your Clemsons, you've got your, I guess you could say, Oklahoma maybe. I mean, outside of Oklahoma and Clemson I – mean, outside of Oklahoma and Clemson, none returned a starting quarterback like JT Daniels either. And that's absolutely like we're talking about a guy like Eric Gilbert, who we'll get to more detail in a minute. Like that's another factor here. It's one thing like we've had really good receivers in the past, but maybe haven't had the quarterback to really activate them in the way that maybe they could have been activated. That's not going to be the problem next year. I mean, look like all these other, like these other contending teams are great. Like Alabama's got a really good roster. Clemson's got a really good roster. Oklahoma's got a really good roster. Uh, Ohio State's got a really good roster. Florida, Florida maybe has a decent, has a good roster. But like, I mean, even Alabama. Look, I know Alabama is the standard. I get that. I will acknowledge that year in year out. We know that. But I mean, honestly, Curtis, if you look at these rosters this year, look at Alabama's roster, look at Georgia's roster, one through eighty-five. Who are you taking right now? Just based like it, it, I'm putting the coaches out of the equation. I'm not talking about coaches right now. I'm talking about players, one through 85, Curtis, especially at the most important positions like quarterback, like you mentioned with JT Daniels. Which roster are you taking right now? I mean, one through 85, I'm honestly going to take ours. I mean, you can call us a homer all you want, but right now, especially when you look at our quarterbacks, you've got three guys right now that are good with JT and Brock and Carson competing for that two spot. I mean, up and down the roster, you have some good talent. I mean, now with Eric Gilbert, again, we'll get to Eric Gilbert more detail in here in a minute, but just talking about rosters here, uh, we know that Alabama, one of the, the things that they've done to evolve as a program that's kept them at the top for so long is they, they've certainly opened up their offense. They've embraced the spread. They've gotten some really good receivers, and they've got some good quarterbacks. So the receivers have been great for a long time. But, I mean, Kurt, with the addition of Eric Gilbert at receiver – can you make the argument that Georgia, like we actually have potentially a better receiving core, at least on paper, than what Alabama has coming back this year? Um, I think with the the addition of Gilbert, it makes it very close. I mean, Alabama doesn't, like their receiving core does not scare me right now. I mean, John on paper, John Mechie's good and it'll be his year. But what we saw from him last year, he was a good player. He was a good compliment to your top two guys in in Waddle and um, and Smith. But I, I didn't necessarily necessarily see a game changing dude out there. Now, Guy Hall coming as a true freshman could potentially be that guy. I mean, Slade Bolden's like whatever. If you look at what we've got, I know we've got some young guys that have to take the next step. I will admit that when when you've got guys like Kyrus Jackson, had a good year last year. He's got to take another step. 
We've got to get Jermaine Burton take another step. Rosemary's got to come back healthy and show that he can take that next step. We need to see it from Arian Smith to kind of translate that almost world-class track speed. Well, maybe world-class is stretch, but incredible track speed. He's got to translate on the field. But then you throw in Eric Gilbert. I mean, I know none of these guys have proven they're 1,000-yard receivers, but neither is anyone on Alabama's roster right now. So, like, I, at the very least, I think it's a push. And that's been one of Alabama's strengths for years. At, at quarterback, I think at the very least, it's a push. Offensive line, I mean, Evan Neal's really good, but they're losing a lot up front. I would say, again, at the very least, it's a push. Defensively, no questions asked. Even with, with Toe Toe added to that, to that roster, I think we clearly have better defensive talent. So, look, I'm not saying that, like, we're going to win the SEC. I'm not going to say we're going to win the national title yet. I'm not going to sit here and declare that right now. I've got a summer to digest this and, and make those declarations later on. But I'll say right now, I think we have – I'll I'll say this. We have, at the very least, as good of a roster as anyone in America. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's very fair. And I think you can make, again, with a straight face, I think you make the argument that we have the best roster in America. I think you can make that argument. Um, all right, but let, let me ask you this, Chris. Like, we've had one of the best rosters in college football for a few years now. Like, that's that's nothing new. I think 247's uh, composite – talent total or their talent rankings coming in last year we had the most talented roster according to them last year so that's not necessarily new what's going to be the difference this year why does it matter this year what's different this year the biggest thing is i think we addressed our weaknesses sometimes i think we were overly stacked at certain positions like for a while we had multiple five stars at offensive line like there was positions where we didn't have talent stacked and i think that's going to be the biggest thing going into this year is the talent is stacked at all positions now it really truly feels like, especially when you look at secondary, which went went from a weakness to now you have three guys competing for one spot. Yep. Or uh, like we're just we're putting it all together. Go back to th- into 2019, right? Like Fromm wasn't like necessarily elite, elite, but Fromm was Fromm has shown he could take a team to a national top. Maybe not on his back, but he could get us there and win some big games. But we didn't have the receiver, especially with the injuries there. George Green's coming in as a freshman, wasn't like quite ready to be that guy that early in the season. Then Cager goes down. So we had the running game, we had the quarterback good enough quarterback that proven it in my opinion. Um, but we didn't have the receivers going into 2020. The receivers are upgraded. George Pickens are ready to be that kind of guy. Jermaine Burton's coming in and doing some things. Kyrus Jackson takes a huge step forward, but you have Stetson Bennett. We have our, our whole quarterback situation last year. You're right. We just haven't put it all together in one season. We've had great offensive lines, but we haven't had the passing game. Right. But this gives us the chance to put it all together. And here's the two, like two things, Curtis, here's what's different this year. We have the quarterback, as you mentioned with JT Daniels, and you got to throw in Todd Munkin, right? Got the yeah, that, I think that's the one person who has to be the happiest about the news today. A hundred percent, man. There's, there's absolutely no doubt about it. Think about how much, even last year, with the personnel group, groups that we had last year, think about how much 12 personnel we used. And like, I know that we're, we're going to Eric Gilbert later. He's probably going to come. He wants to come in as a wide receiver. But you got to think there's going to be some packages. He's at least going to have the ability to play in line in a heavy package, right? Least, every yeah, now and then. You could easily do what Alabama did to us last year. We go two tight ends. They have to go heavy and then – during yep. pre-play, you can start spreading them out and creating matchups and then keep doing that where they can't sub no. out. Where if they try to sub, you go big or you run right at them. That's how you do it. It's it's a matchup thing. You create matchups. Uh, you can There's different ways you can create matchups. You can create matchups for, with formations, with motion, with shifts. You can also create it with your personnel groupings. And that's 100% what Eric Gilbert gives us the ability to do. We'll get to that more detail in a second. But And we saw, and I bring up Todd Munkin, we saw Munkin do this last year, Kurt, right? Like we saw him scheme guys open over and over. Like I still have nightmares. I was watching the, oh my God, I can't believe I was doing this. I went back and was watching parts of the Georgia-Alabama game last from last year. And like it was an incredibly painful exercise because I know we ended up losing pretty, you know, pretty convincingly. 
We should have, I'll still say we should have won that game. If JD Daniels plays that game, I think we win because we had guys running wide open the entire second half. And there were even like Stetson made some plays in the first half. There were other plays he left on the field that were there to be made, like simple things, like hitting checkdowns for touchdowns, like hitting James Cook when he's wide open there inside the red zone, essentially for a touchdown. Didn't do it. You know, you had the coordinator who's consistently against the best competition. Scheming guys open, whether it's Florida, whether it's Alabama, scheming guys open all game long, and we just didn't have the quarterback that consistently make those plays. Well, we had the same coordinator who's going to keep scheming those guys open, and now we have the quarterback, and we have additional personnel. We have Eric Gilbert thrown into the mix, which gives the coordinator even more of an ability to create those matchups that will favor this offense. So, like that, to me, that's the difference: quarterback, offense, coordinator, putting it all together. That's why, like, man, this this is. Man, I don't want to spoil it yet. We're going to get to this, the very last the very last question here, but I'll let you kind of percolate on this. That's why I think this potentially could be a put-up-or-shut-up year for Kirby Smart and Georgia Bulldogs. We'll get to that later on. We'll get to that later on, but just kind of tease that here. But all right, we've got a ton more to talk about, but first, check this out. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. All right, Kurt, let's break down each of these transfers in more detail. And let's start with the one that hit first today, like, I don't know what, maybe 10 or 15 minutes before the other one. And that was Darian Kendrick, the quarterback, the quarterback from transfer or from Clemson. Sorry, it was it's kind of funny because like I was in the middle of texting you. I actually texted you like, "Hey, you down for an emergency podcast? Talk about the Kendrick transfer today?" And you were like, "Yeah." And then like twelve seconds later, you, you text me back and, "Oh yeah, what about maybe the Gilbert news too?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, sure, that hit too. Let's go." I hadn't even seen it yet, so it was that quick in succession. Let's start with Kendrick here, Curtis, two-year starter at Clemson. Former five-star prospect. There are layers to this commitment. There certainly are. Can't ignore that. But let's start with the on-field aspect of this first, Curtis. Just tell me this. Why should Georgia fans be this excited about Darian Kendrick joining this Georgia football team? Well, the one thing that I like most about him is his ball skills. Sometimes I think, especially in our secondary, that's what has been lacking the most, especially for our corners when you look at Tyson Campbell and people like that. Like He didn't play the ball well in the air. And that's the one thing Kendrick really does, you know, where he came in as one of the top receivers before he made the switch. So he had those great ball skills as a receiver. And then he's made the natural switch over to quarterback where he's still able to use his athletic ability. Um, I believe he's very fluid in his turns and he seems to have a long, lanky body, uh, which go hand in hand with his ball skills. And I think he has everything you look for in a cornerback, especially in the, he has the tools run. 
Yeah, I agree. He has the tools. He's you're right. He is a fluid athlete. He's got the hips to play cornerback. He's got good ball skills. He's got good change of direction. All of those things that you look for in a cornerback from a physical standpoint, he's got those things. Good length. You're right. All those things. But if you look at this guy, Chris, let me ask you this. Is, is he a game changer? Uh, I think he can be. I think the one thing that's a little dangerous at times is he is overly aggressive at times and it likes to take uh, chances. But I think he can be a game change lockdown type guy. I think he has that potential, again, going back to the physical tools. I'm a big tools guy. I like to see what you can work with. I think if you have those tools, if if you get the right coaching and you're willing to put in the time, you those tools can can shine. That's not always the case, but I think more often than not, it doesn't end up being the case. But if you look at this guy's performance over the past two seasons, right, so two-year starter at Clemson, his overall grade over those past two, like combined over the last two seasons, was 70.1 uh, according to Pro Football Focus. His overall coverage grade over the past two years combined was 68.9. He's given up 43 receptions, uh, 51. Yeah, 43 receptions, 545 yards, six touchdowns, three interceptions, five pass breakups. Uh, quarterbacks have an 81.8 passer rating against him. So, like those numbers, do those numbers scream like game changing type talent to you? No, they don't. But I think that goes more towards his aggressiveness and the fact that it seems like he was always opposite their true lockdown corner. So if, if anyone was going to go after him, they were going to try to go after him. I think that's that's actually absolutely true. If you watched him against Ohio State in that in that playoff game, he was lined up against their top guys more often than not. He was their best cornerback last year. I, I think that's pretty good. Andrew Booth might have a higher ceiling, but he wasn't there yet last year if you watched him play. And look, no, those numbers are not. You can't say with a straight face, oh, yeah, those are like elite numbers. They're not. We compare that to Tyson Campbell last year, who was, I think, good for us. But a lot of George fans, obviously, we know we heard about it all year. We're very frustrated with him. Tyson Campbell had a 75.7 overall grade last year and a 75.4 coverage grade. Eric Stokes, 73 and a half, or 73.5 overall grade, 72.4 overall grade, or uh, coverage grade. Patrick Sertan, right, from Alabama, who was one of the top cornerbacks in the country. Those were elite numbers. 89 overall grade at cornerback, 88 coverage grade. So you can see Kendrick's not there. He's not a, He's not going to come in and beat Patrick Sertan for us right away. So don't expect that. So I, I, all the only reason, like, I'm not bringing this up to kill him. I think Kendrick's a very good pickup. I think he's a guy that we desperately needed. But I also don't want to oversell it and tell you, oh, yeah, this guy is going to come in and be like a Thorpe Award finalist in his, in his one year here in Athens. I'm not going to tell you that because I don't know if I – I don't think I believe that. But he doesn't have to be like Patrick Sertan level good. Now, it would be awesome if he was, but he doesn't have to be that good. What he does is he gives us what we did not have, and that is experience. That is what this guy brings us. He brings us the experience in the in the back of us, specifically at cornerback – that we did not have. Like we know we have the talent. You got Jalen Kimber. You got Kaylee Ringo. These guys are highly rated. Uh, well, I would say Kaylee Ringo was a former five-star. Kimber was not quite there, but he's a top 100 guy. These guys are highly rated players, highly talented players. But you don't want to go into any season relying on two guys, potentially, and maybe even Nyland Green. You throw him in as a true freshman. Two guys who have never really played before. Certainly have not played at this high of a level against top competition like Clemson in week one. You can maybe get away with one of those guys, but two of them at the same time, that's a scary proposition as we've laid out all offseason long. And as you guys have been with us all offseason long, you know that. So when you can bring a guy like Kendrick into the equation, who not only is a very talented, has all the physical tools you need, and now going to get some coaching from Kirby Smart, who is one of the top DB coaches out there. He's that's what he does by by as a as a trade as a defensive coach. He coaches 
cornerbacks. He coaches the secondary. So you get that kind of coaching, you know, be an upgrade over what he was getting at Clemson. Plus, he gives us the experience in those big games. What about this, Cars? How much does it matter? So we're playing, I mentioned we're playing Clemson week one. We got this guy from Clemson. How much of a benefit does it bring us to have Darren Kendrick, who has a very strong in uh, very like inside knowledge of this program? Did that help us going into the Clemson game? I I was actually gonna mention that. that's one of my underlying benefits of him is yes. The biggest thing that people don't think of, but you kind of have heard it hinted heavily in the Ohio State game is that Brent Venables is very well known for stealing signals. And if that is the case, I would say Kendrick has a very, very strong insight into how Venables does that rumored practice and how we can avoid him doing that to us. Absolutely. A huge added benefit. A hundred percent. Like that's an, that's a layer of this. I mean, you saw Ohio state Brent Venables has been, you know, everyone claims he's a genius, blah, 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 this, that. But I've never seen him be exposed and embarrassed like he was against Ohio State when they were doing hurry up and not allowing Clemson to get set. All of a sudden, the guy had no answer. Yep, absolutely. I mean, they were flat out embarrassed in that game. But you're right. I mean, that's a great point about the science league that there are there have been strong rumors that Clemson has been doing that for years now. But even beyond that. Just his knowledge of what they do from a defensive standpoint, from a schematic standpoint, defensively. Look, our coaches understand a lot of what Clemson does. They know that. But the extra insight into what they do defensively, that that is invaluable. And also what they do offensively. This guy's going against the Clemson offense in practice. And I know, you know you're going against scout team once you get into the season, but like in fall camp and spring practice, you're going against the Clemson offense. He has insight into that as well. Look, and look I don't know if that's going to be the difference in winning or losing, but it certainly doesn't hurt, right? Yeah, I mean, I'd, it it helps more than it hurts. It, yeah, it, it, at the very least, it's going to help us in like some small way, right? It's not going to hurt us. So that's just another extra little layer to this that I don't know if you're going to hear a bunch of people talking about, but I, I don't think it hurts. And then he gets to play them week one, which is just uh, it's one of those uh, unique things that the transfer portal is going to be giving us, I guess, for however many more years in the future. So, like, I don't know. this. I think this – this pickup is massive because we just basically have no experience. Like not basically, we have no experience coming back at cornerback. Even Turnage getting in from Alabama, that's great. He has no meaningful game experience, none, none whatsoever. So you're going to be relying on Keely Ringo, who basically was all, he was out all of last year. Had to practice very little towards late. I guess not really not much at all late in the season, but I guess he got a spring practice in after the labrum surgery. You had Kimber who got some mop up time and was working out with the team all all season long last year. You got Nylon Green who came in as a highly rated uh, true freshman. Uh, cornerback but he missed pretty much the entire spring with injury himself you got Amir Speed who's been around for a long time but really again hasn't played any meaningful snaps at all so this experience is invaluable when you throw that back in there in the secondary it's absolutely invaluable uh, all right let's move on though Curtis here we aren't going to just ignore some of the off-field issues that he has had over the past couple of months he was dismissed from Clemson it wasn't immediately clear immediately clear when he left Clemson but that certainly seems to be the case now. He's essentially admitted as much. He was then arrested in March on a misdemeanor gun and a simple marijuana possession charge, which in South Carolina is less than one ounce. But Curtis, I think you and I are talking about this. I know that you think this is a risk worth taking. I know that. Spoiler alert. So tell us, what is it that makes this a risk worth taking? Well, first off, I think you you talked about all the benefits that he brings. But the other thing is that Honestly, I trust Kirby's judgment. The guy has shown that it seems like that he's been able to keep kids under control for the most part or and kids that he believes are cancers to the locker room 
or that just aren't a good fit, he has shown the the ability to make that tough decision to say, hey, you need to hit the road. As you saw with Brandon Cox, and can't think off the top of my head, but there have been some other situations where he's kind of, you know, kids have left. Um, so I, I do defer to his judgment because I don't think Kirby, especially when you just needed a few pieces here where he could be very selective, wasn't just going to take anyone that there's a chance he could hurt the locker room and hurt the program. And the second of all, if you're seeing it with some of these guys going to the pro, like Isaiah Wilson and some of these other guys that get in trouble, even DeAndre Baker, yeah, the charges were dropped. It's all a very fishy situation. But the fact of the matter is that I believe that we have a good support system in place with Jonas and people like that that also can help maybe guide the guy in the right direction, give him a fresh start that he may need. All right, let's let's talk about what happened with Darian Kendrick, right? Because you've got people, of course, you've got all the, the trolls out there. Of course, this is what rival fan bases are going to do, right? Because now they can't really point and laugh at any potential weakness on our team because I don't know if we really have that many or really any. So they're going to point and laugh, and they're going to say, oh, well, you're taking all these locker room problems. Georgia has no soul. You have no integrity. You're taking these guys. They're getting arrested. Let's really talk about what happened here, right? Because one of the things you said, Curtis, is that, like, okay, you get, you, you've got to be willing to sometimes maybe take these characteristics. But uh, – my question is, what actually makes Darian Kendrick a character risk? I know he was arrested, but look at what he was arrested on, Curtis. Two misdemeanor charges, all right? Two misdemeanor charges. First one was the misdemeanor gun charge. He was seeing his girlfriend's car asleep in a parked car. Cops come knocking on the door. They see a, a, a handgun on his lap, all right? That's a misdemeanor gun charge. And then he had an a less than an ounce of marijuana. I've never – I'll admit this, guys – you can call me. I'm probably the biggest loser that that there is out there in the podcasting world or out there in the Georgia fan base. I've never smoked marijuana. Yes, I will admit that I'm a loser. I get it. It's okay. I'll own that. I, I haven't right. But even as inexperienced as I am with that, as as much of an idiot as I am when it comes to that kind of stuff, less than an ounce, Curtis. That's not much, right? Are we talking about like a joint here, basically? Probably. I mean, I doubt the guy would willingly have drugs with a gun too, like enough that he could get trafficking. Absolutely. All right. And, I'll, and let's let's break this down even more. So, Curtis, I, I don't I know you've been busy with law school. Did have you seen recently what South Carolina has done in terms of their gun laws in that state in the past month? I have not. I've heard that they're very different, though. They have passed a law, and I'm sure I'm sure somebody has more details and is more knowledgeable on this than I am, so they can correct me. But the gist is essentially they have passed a law in South Carolina where basically you can carry a handgun without a license. Oh right? yeah, that. I believe it was there. right. All right. Well, that passed, I believe, in in April. I think April's early to mid April. All right, something like that. Not that long ago, Kendrick got arrested in South Carolina in March. It basically, if he would, if the cop would have knocked on his door, if he would have fallen asleep in the car about a month after he actually got arrested for this misdemeanor gun charge, it wouldn't have been a crime. If it, it legitimately would not have been a crime in the state of South Carolina, as far as my knowledge can tell me here as far as I know looking at what South Carolina has done all right and again less than one ounce of marijuana all right Curtis you've uh you're a little bit younger than I am you uh going back a couple of years you you knew quite a few of the players on the football team right how many how many would you say is it fair to say that oh about half or so of our players smoke marijuana on a relatively routine basis I think that'd be a f- fair estimate especially just society nowadays where it's becoming more and more accepted it's just, it, it, it's becoming legalized. In different, I know it's not legal in Georgia, but it's being decriminalized. It's being legalized in different states. And it's just becoming part of, I, I don't want to say youth culture, but kind of in a way it is. I mean, it is. I work with young kids. And guys, I'm telling you, like, I, I, they'll walk up to me and say, what's up? And you can you can smell it 
50 feet away, right? It, it, it is, and they're great kids, fantastic kids. So all I'm going to say is like, you might not smoke marijuana. You might not want your kids to smoke marijuana. I get that. There's nothing wrong with that. I, if I had kids, I probably wouldn't want them to be smoking weed either, right? I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't encourage it. But smoking weed does not make you a bad person. All right, let, let's let's get out. It's the 21st century. Let's get out of this old school mindset that if you smoke weed, you're a bad person. Like there's that's a character flaw. That's just not the case. All right, I know plenty of people who smoke a lot of weed and they're awesome. They're fantastic people, fantastic kids. I'm some of my friends. I I don't do it, but I know some of my friends do. They're awesome. They're great people. So like this idea, okay, what well, he got caught with less an ounce of marijuana with a gun in his lap, which actually wouldn't be a crime if it happened a month later in the same state. Is this guy really? A, do we really know he's a character risk? Like, just honestly, no. Especially like, there's been a, like you mentioned too. You don't really. I mean, yeah, he said he was kicked off the team at Clemson. Not one person here has any insight truly of what happened. They just say he must have been a bad guy if Dabo did it because Dabo's, you know, the greatest person in the world. Yeah, um, actually, Darian Kendrick, he opened up on this not too long ago, and he was asked about what happened. And what he essentially said was, he, I don't know if you guys know this, he's got two kids. He's got a young kid, and apparently, what, according to Darren Kidger, one of his kids was sick late in the season, going into the, the bowl game, I believe it was, or, or I'm not sorry, not into the bowl game, it was after the season, and he missed a couple, he missed some meetings. He, and he, he owned, he said, I wasn't there, I should have been there, I need to communicate that better. He did not communicate it as well as he needed to. That's something you, you got, when you grow up, and you got you to gotta learn those things, you got to mature, and, and some people mature at different rates. But it wasn't like he was out there like doing crazy, disrespectful things. In fact, I have a quote here from Dabo I'm, right here. It says, he's a young man that I've always loved as a football player. He's got a really good heart. He's never been a disrespectful young man or anything like that. Just sometimes there just needs to be a change. Those are words directly from Dabo Swinney. Now, maybe you want to say, well, he wouldn't throw him under the bus. But does he have to go out of his way and say the kid's got a really good heart? He's never been a disrespectful young man or anything like that. He doesn't get specific like that. He can just say, you know what? He's done a good job while he's here. We wish him the best moving forward. Leave it at that. He went a little extra and said, no, dude's got a good heart. He's never been disrespectful to me or anything like that. Did he make a mistake in not communicating to the coaches what he was doing with this kid? Yeah. But, hey, if I had a kid too in that situation, he's sick and he's in the hospital, I you know, would probably prioritize that over playing football at Clemson. I understand that. I get where that's coming from. So, again, I think there's – a misconception out there. And I also think it's fueled by rival fan bases. Like, let's be real. Florida fans, Clemson fans, Alabama fans, they knew when Kendrick hit the transfer market that we were a primetime player to land him. So what are they going to do? Well, if they don't get that guy, they're just going to poo-poo us trying to get him. And they're going to make it, oh, well, Georgia's just taking a character risk. Which is you know, hilarious. We're Florida better than them because Florida we didn't take a character killers. risk. Florida had killers on their team, and yet we're the – the people taking the bad guys. Yeah, I saw uh, Danny Cannell, and I, I hate to give them bre- I, I, any kind of publicity here, but it's just ridiculous. I saw Danny Cannell tweet out like something absurd about Georgia, you know, taking characteristics. He was being very sarcastic and said, "Go dogs!" In the end, it's like, oh, dude, you're from Florida State, like Jameis Winston. You, I mean, you had a former receiver just arrested for murder in Rudolph. Yeah, yeah, Jameis Winston, Rudolph, I mean, all these, like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Like, no one, none of the big boys in college football are innocent when it comes to this kind of thing. So let's just, like, we're not, Clemson's not, Florida State's not, Alabama's not, none of them are, right? They all, I don't want to say get their hands dirty, but they all have to look at the situation. Look, I would, as you said earlier, Chris, I truly believe Kirby Smart would not take him if he thought it would be a locker room issue. Look at Zach Evans, right? That, that's not that's not convenient to the argument of, of rival fan bases, right? Like Zach Evans, 
top running back in his class. We had this guy. He wanted to. He was begging to come here after his his issue with his coaching staff, his well, multiple issues with his coaching staff. Kirby said no. Kirby said no. So don't tell me that Kirby's going to sell his soul for a national title because it's not always true. It's a case-by-case case thing. And in this case, Kirby decided that looking at the actual evidence, not listening to what all the noise is out there and what the, the – what, what the perception is of Darian Kendrick based on this arrest, he decided that this he is and we know Kirby did his homework as thorough as he is that this was a, either a risk he was worth taking or maybe it wasn't as much of a risk as people are making it out to be. So I don't know. I I'm not. And look, let's also add this in, Curtis. This is a money year for Darian Kendrick, is it not? Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah, he's also ready to go to the league and support those two kids. A lot of people thought he might enter the supplementary draft, not even go to college last year. But he came back. He knows this is the money year. He's got two kids to take care of, guys. He knows that he cannot screw up. He's got to be on his best behavior. So absolutely, this is a risk worth taking, if it even is a risk. Um, last thing here, Curtis, before we move on to, to Gilbert, give me your confidence level of Darian Kendrick opening the season as a starter at cornerback on a scale of 1 through 10. What's your confidence level? I'd probably say an 8. I'm gonna I'm gonna go nine here, man. Like Kirby's not gonna guarantee anything. I'm not gonna say ten because I don't like to speak in absolutes. So nine is about as high as I'm gonna go. Kirby's not gonna guarantee anything, but with his experience, and Kirby's been very open that we have no experience back there in game one against a team that he's intimately familiar with. He's gone up against, he's covered those receivers in practice. I mean, he's got to be an odds-on favorite at the very least. I'm gonna go at nine, and I, that's honestly as high as the confidence I can because I don't give tens because I don't again just don't believe in absolutes. So that's Kendrick, and we'll get to Eric and Gilbert here momentarily. But first, check this out. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, Curtis, Eric Gilbert. The Kendrick news and rumors, it really didn't really catch anyone off guard because we've been mentioned prominently with him since he left Clemson. It was kind of just a natural and really a common sense move. But Eric Gilbert's journey has been a little bit all over the place. And I was told to watch out for him about, I mean, about two weeks ago from someone I trust with these things. Uh, but being honest, I wasn't really buying it. Like, I trust this guy. There's been so many ups and downs with Eric Gilbert that I was fully in wait and see mode. And well, I waited, and now I have seen. I am now officially a believer, right? Eric Gilbert is officially a Georgia Bulldog, and man, does that feel good to say. But let's start here, Curtis. Uh, I was surprised when I first got this info a few weeks ago. I really was. I wasn't buying it. I'm serious. I was just like, nah, man, I'm not going to believe it. I'm just not going to believe it. How surprised are you, though, that Eric Gilbert's saga ended this way with him in red and black? Um, You know, I'm not surprised i think this has been a guy that's always done something different um so the fact that it was a saga is not really a surprise to me um it just seems like it's always been that way just like when he committed to lsu literally no one saw that coming it was a foregone conclusion that he was going to alabama 
Um, so it just seems like he's always been someone to do the different. And it almost reminds me of the Demetrius Robertson thing where he dragged his on and then does an art drawing of Cal, but in the end he ends up back home. Um, and it kind of gave me that feeling. That's a really, I didn't think about that. That's actually a good comparison there. Really. That's a really good comparison. We know he, he, he did end up first coming to Florida after he transferred and then he decommits. What I mean, obviously this is pure speculation. What do you think happened there? Like, why did he decommit from Florida and end up in Athens? I think the biggest thing was at the time, I think he made a rush judgment because it, I, around that time is where it started to really come out that his grades were an issue. Um, so I think that some of the big schools started to back off because like Alabama, Georgia, all these people were in on it and all of a sudden they just disappeared and it was Florida, which I mean, I could understand with the Kyle Pitts, you know, having the great year he did, but everyone else just completely backed away. And I think that once he got back into classes, um, I think he kind of realized he made a rush decision going to Florida and then stepped. Yeah. And let's be honest here. I have a pretty good authority that grades were an issue for him in his first year in college, his first semester. Uh, it didn't go super well. He wasn't, I don't know. If, I, I don't can't say what I've heard is he had, he, that he had no grades. It was, he just yeah. had nothing. Yeah. I mean, he left LSU before the semester ended. So he was in a bad spot. So he's really had to work hard. Give the guy credit. Now I know he put himself in that, in that spot, but give the guy credit for, addressing the issue and working his tail off to get it done and to become eligible go as far as I know, going into this 2021 season. It took, it took some work. Now again, that's his fault for putting himself in that, in that spot, but he got the work done. So that, that's certainly been part of like, that was all, one of the reasons why I was like not buying. It's like, I, I don't even really know what his great situation is right now. Like, what are his credit situation? But it seems like he's gotten that cleared up and he's, he's going to be ready to go. And I think, you know, when he first was announced his transfer from Florida, what you were hearing from people in the know was that he just wanted to come back. Like he wanted to get closer to the family, right? That was the reason that he used. And that's why I always thought it was weird. It's like, well, if, if that's the case, why are you going to Florida? It just seemed kind of disingenuous, right? But if, if you look at some of the quotes that are coming out today from like his mother, I think 247 Sports had, uh, Dog 247 had a, had a quote from her. And she was essentially saying, uh, what I, mean, I think I actually have the quote here. So I'm going to give credit. This is Dogs247. At the end of the quote, when his mom was asked about like him picking Georgia and end up in Athens, she said, quote, it'll be much different for me. I'm going to drop him off at Athens, and I'm going to drive back straight an hour to work. You cannot beat that. Apparently she said that with a big smile on her face. So I do think the family part of this, and also mentioned that, I think he mentioned that both his grandmothers can now watch him play in Athens. That's a big part of it. So that's why it just never made sense why we go to Florida. I guess because of Kyle Pitts, that was the draw. Like, hey, I want to go to the NFL. They have an opening. Look what they do with Kyle Pitts. That made sense. But if it really was about coming home, I mean, Georgia was the one that made sense, especially since we were in it from the get-go back when he was actually coming out of high school in the first place. Uh, and Curtis, like, here's another part. Is I, I, and I don't know how surprising this is to you, but according to Gilbert himself, he's coming to play wide receiver. I got another quote here from the same article, 247 Sports. Give them some credit there. This is coming straight from Eric Gilbert. He says, quote, being brought in to play wide receiver – I definitely think I can help the team win. That's Eric Gilbert himself. How surprising that to you, Curtis, and do you think it's the right spot for him? Um, it doesn't surprise me. And if he's able to get even get his weight down a little bit to around 230, that size, you're seeing it more and more at the wide receiver position. I mean, I know DK Metcalf is ridiculously fast. Mike Evans. Yeah, but the fact of the matter is you're seeing it more so. I mean, even Clemson's great receivers that they've had the last couple of years, even Justin Ross who's coming back, they're not all burners, but they're big-bodied guys. And if he could get his weight just down a little bit, and I still think he's, what, a 4'6 guy in his own right, which is about the well, same. He was a 4'7'2 guy coming out of high school. I mean, okay, he needs so, to be in the 4'6 range now, though. But somewhere around there, 
that's similar to George Pickens' speed. I mean, George Pickens is not a burner, but it's using your body to your advantage. Yep. That's something that he could do out there. That's exactly that's, that's straight up in my notes here. And yeah, look, like I'm not like I'm not surprised he wants to play wide receiver at all. The, the one of the main reasons we did not get him when he came out of high school initially is we were primarily recruiting him as a tight end. We said, sure, yeah, we'll let you play out wide sometimes, but you're also going to play in line. He wanted to play wide receiver, and LSU said, dude, come here, you can play wherever the hell you want. And so he went to LSU. And now, as he's going into the transfer portal and he's entering the recruiting process all over again. The guy wants to play wide receiver. If he wants to play wide receiver and you want the guy, well, tell the guy he's going to play wide receiver, right? Yeah. I mean, you can't force him to play. To, like The question of, like, is it the right spot for him? I think he might be a better tight end, you know, because you can create more matchup problems in that with him at tight end. I honestly, again, I still think that there will be some packages where he will play in line, but he'll probably play wide receiver more more often, more commonly than he will playing in line. Because we also – don't forget, I know we have – we all know that we have Darnell Washington. Don't forget about Brock Bowers either. Don't just write him up because we got Eric Gilbert. Brock Bowers is going to really take a lot of pressure off Eric Gilbert having to play in line because Bowers can do a lot of those things himself. He can play in line. He's willing to play in line. But uh, if the guy doesn't want to play as an actual tight end, okay, he's still that talented. Bring him in as a wide receiver. Now, you said he's get down to about 230. He, he's between 245, 250. Do you really think he can get down to 230 by the time the season kicks off? I mean, I think especially because he hasn't been in a weight program either lately. 235. He can hit that number. I think he could be he could be dangerous at wide receiver. And even if he's at 245, he can still be dangerous. He basically played wide receiver for LSU last year. Let's be real. That's what he basically did for them. And he did it just fine. Um, but I'm actually the same question I asked about Kendrick Curtis. Like, Dog Nation, I think it's safe to say, has lost its collective mind over this commitment. That's how excited we are. So make the case. Why should we all be this excited? Why is Eric Gilbert a game changer? I mean, I think the biggest fact of the matter is he's like what you look for in these new age athletes. I mean, he's like a Kyle Pitts. Uh, everything that Kyle Pitts had to offer is what Gilbert has to offer. Yeah, I think he's a little bit of a different kind of player. I mean, they're both – I see what you're saying. They're both hybrid players, hybrid tight ends. You saw how, how much Pitts changed everything. He even made the guys around him better, and that's the, what Gilbert has the ability to do. Yes, I think that I think you maybe say Pitts was maybe a little bit smoother of an athlete than Gilbert, but Gilbert's certainly more physical in that frame. I think that's what I would say. But there certainly are similarities. Now, last year as a true freshman, he had a 73% receiving grade, 35 catches, 368 yards receiving, two touchdowns. You mentioned Curtis, you're exactly right. He is not a burner. Guys, don't expect him to go out there and be running nine routes and just burning people down the field. That's not what this guy is. He ran a 472 come out of high school laser time. He's probably, especially as he gets his weight down and he gets stronger, gets into a weight program, he can easily be a 4'6 guy, but he's not a burner. And But you're right, Curtis. As you said, neither is George Pickens. That's not what George Pickens did. So if you're looking for somebody to replace some of what George Pickens gave us, Gilbert is – is it safe to say, Curtis, he's our best option now to give us what Pickens gave us? More or less, yeah, experience that knows how to use his body. I think Rosemey could step into there, but, I mean – I think Rosemey's the other option, yeah. Yeah, but in terms of the guy, because what what did Pickens do that was so great? His body control and his ability to win contested routes, right? That's what George Pickens could do, like nobody else we had in our roster. And Eric Gilbert gives us that ability with his body type. You're exactly right. The matchup problem. There's no cornerback or safety in this league that can match up with him physically, and there's no linebacker in this league that can match up with him from a from a speed and athleticism standpoint. At 6'5", 245, 250 right now, we'll see if he gets his way down to maybe be more as a true wide receiver. But he, it's, you guys have heard me say this ad nauseum on the offseason. 
It's all about hybridization of football. I've talked about this over and over again. That's what Eric Gilbert gives us, okay? How do you create – it's all about creating matchups, right? If you want to be elite and you want your offense to score points like Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State, it's about matchups. What does Steve Sarkeesian do so well with Alabama? He created matchups. He got Devontae Smith on linebackers, on guys that couldn't cover him. Right? He moved him around. That's what – we are able to do with Todd Munkin. You got to have the players too. And Eric Gilbert is one of those hybrid type guys. We can go with 12 personnel, heavy personnel. And what does Alabama or, or any team that we're playing, Clemson, what are they going to have to do? They're going to have to respond with heavy personnel on their own. Because when we come out in 12 personnel, that's heavy run personnel. If you do not respond with your own heavy de defensive personnel, we will run the football down your throat with our running backs and our offensive line. It's going to happen. And when that happens, and you respond with your heavy personnel, those guys the defense brings in, they cannot keep up with Darnell Washington, Brock Bowers, and, Elbert, and Eric Gilbert in his face. They simply can't. It's a matchup nightmare for defenses, and it's a true game changer for our offense. 100%. An absolute game-changing type talent. There's no question about it. We have a couple guys like that already. You add him to the mix, and it's game over. It's lights out. And that brings us to this, Curse. Last thing before we get out of here today, we just got a couple quick minutes here. One of our longtime listeners, and a guy I have a lot of respect for when it comes to his football acumen. We've had a lot of great conversations over the years on social media. Rational Exuberance hit us up on Twitter today after the news hit and said, quote, this is big. If they can't get it done this year, some uncomfortable questions are right to be asked. Now, Curtis, I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth, but it sounds to me like he's saying it's put up or shut up time for Kirby Smart and staff. So what do you think, Kurt? Leave us, let's get out of here on this. Is it national championship or bust now for Georgia with the additions of, of Darian Kendrick and Eric Gilbert? I think if everyone stays healthy, yes. It's got to be, right? I mean, again, I go back to what we were talking about in the opening. I, I personally don't think anyone has a better roster than Georgia going into this season. And at the very least, you can say our roster is as good as anyone in America. When that's the case, and you have the quarterback that we that's maybe maybe been a missing piece of the puzzle, an elite quarterback like JT Daniels, and you have an elite offensive coordinator that's certainly been a missing piece of the puzzle, and now you've got the skill town around them plus the defense that we have coming back, I, I can't sit here – I can't predict the future and say we're never going to have a better chance to win the national title. I can't predict the future. But, guys, Alabama's roster is not as good as it was last year. I don't think Clemson's roster is as good as it was last year when you're, when, when you're losing Trevor Lawrence. Ohio State losing Justin Fields, they're still going to be really good. They have great receivers. They got some guys come back on defense. Their roster, I don't think it's as good as it was last year. Oklahoma's going to be dangerous. They have a really good roster. But, I mean, this I think this is going to be the best chance that we've had to win a national title. If you look at our roster, what we have, the important pieces at quarterback and office coordinator, now the skill town, and you look at the other major, like your typical blue blood contenders around us and where their rosters are right now, they're still really good. Their rosters are awesome. They're always going to be great. But I think they're maybe a little bit down this year. And maybe this is the best roster that we've had under Kirby Smart. So, yeah, I agree. I think it's put up or shut up time. I'm not saying fire Kirby Smart if he doesn't win the national title. That's crazy talk. But – Absolutely, there are going to have to be some answers to questions if we don't win at a high level this year. At the very least, get back to the college playoff and make a run of the national title. I think at the very least, we need to be in the college playoff with what we have now with Kendrick showing up one of our weaknesses at cornerback and Gilbert really opening things up from a match, matchup standpoint.
So I'm excited. I, I don't know if you can tell. I hope it's coming through. But I'm clearly excited about all of these additions that we've added to the roster here over the past couple months. Kirby's just, I mean, not only is he getting the best players out of high school every year, but he is owning the transfer portal, at least for this cycle. And this has certainly raised the expectations heading into the 2021 season. Now we got to go out there and translate to the field. Got to keep everybody healthy. Now, like I was talking to one of my friends today, and it was like, man, like, dude, this is the greatest day ever. And I was like, yeah, this is an awesome day. But like, now I'm worried about this. Please, God, no one get her. I, I, I know what I'm going to be doing every every morning until the season starts. And probably through the season. I'm going to wake up every morning. I do this anyway, just kind of as a routine. First thing when I wake up, grab my phone and just scroll through whatever I got, I got to scroll through and just look up all the information to make sure that nobody's gotten hurt and nobody's gotten arrested. I literally do that every single morning. That's I, I'm conditioned to do that because that's it's happened before. So please, dear God, let's... Just stay healthy and stay out of trouble because we got the pieces, guys. I truly believe it. I can't promise you we're winning the national title. We'll talk more about that as the offseason progresses. But man, we got a shot. We got a shot, and the additions of Kendrick and Gilbert certainly give us an extra shot in the arm and make us even more of a contender than we were even before their addition. So awesome day all around. Like I said, great day in American history. But uh, this, uh, these are our initial thoughts on the transfers, guys. Obviously, I, I, we're, we're doing this kind of off the cuff, no notes, kind of just got home. It's like, all right, well, we got to record a podcast, so here we are. So if there's something we miss, if there's another aspect of this you would like us to cover, let us know. Hit us up on social media at glory underscore UJ. Love to hear from you guys. You can also, you can also email us at glorygapodcast at gmail.com, whatever works for you guys. And of course, we'll be talking about this more and more over the coming weeks and months. We're not going to get just move away from talking about Kendrick and Gilbert. This two, these commitments are are just too big to this team potentially so we'll certainly have more to say about it but these are our initial thoughts hope you guys enjoyed it but we'll be back we're gonna try to put together a mailbag show later in the week i can't promise we're gonna be able to do that we'll give it our best shot but if not we'll be back early next week for you guys got a lot of stuff to cover but thanks for listening for curtis i'm tyler and as always go dogs <laughs>